0: We always want the best of everything in all areas of our lives, whether it be physical, financial, relational, spiritual. We really want the best of it. But to get that is going to require more than mediocrity on our part. It requires excellence. We begin a new series with Elder Ivor Johnson entitled, Why Not Excellence? Let's jump in.
1: Today, <laughs> we're going to look at a subject matter that will hopefully push the envelope a little and encourage us to adjust our thinking, the title of this message is, Why Not Excellence? Now hopefully you have noticed that throughout this year, the Holy Spirit has been directing and guiding the teachers here to instruct us in areas to improve ourselves. Minister Scott started the year with showing us that when you accept Jesus and enter into the family of God, you become a brand new you, not a remodeled version of yourself. Every time that he stands before us, we really are blessed (laughs) because he's making us stretch to reach our potential because he shares with us his great wisdom on so many different things. Of course, being directed by the Holy Spirit. Now, Elder Mary has shared the importance of our worshiping the Lord with our giving and the benefits we receive when we do so. And Elder Nate, Well, he's a servant of God who explains the importance of salvation and the benefits contained therein second to none. Pastor Billy has illuminated the kingdom of God, reminded us that we are heirs to the kingdom, that we need to share that with others and not just keep it to ourselves. And our founder, Apostle Frederick Casey Price, taught us about the little foxes of faith when he was here last. I think you get the picture. The Holy Spirit wants us to see ourselves the way he does with all the rights and the privileges to us in God's kingdom. Now, if we used good, better, or best as a barometer in any area of our lives, Which would you prefer it to be? I mean, if money were no object at all, would you rather have good, which is adequate, or better, which is pretty good, or best, which is the cream of the crop? Ultimately, we want to look our best, wear the best, eat the best, (laughs) live the best, drive the best, and be the best. If we think about the best in different areas, we will probably agree on some of the same things. For instance, if I say to you, what happens to be, and I'm talking about current times, we're not gonna go back too far, because I can really go back. (laughs) So we're just gonna stay with present times. If I were to say to you, name one of the best basketball players. Guaranteed, somebody's gonna mention Michael Jordan. Somebody's going to mention LeBron James. And if I say, oh, who's good with three-point shooting? There's no way somebody's not going to mention Steph Curry. If I were to say to you, okay, in tennis, who would you think happen to be good tennis players? Somebody is definitely going to mention Venus and Serena Williams. They're going to mention Rafa Nadal. They're going to mention Roger Federer. That's just kind of like a given. Now, if I were to say to you, well, If I take you to a fine restaurant and you order a steak, what would be a good cut of steak, one of the best? You're definitely gonna say filet mignon or Delmonico ribeye, something along those lines. If I mention to you what is one of the best automobiles, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Rolls Royce, Bentley, Lamborghini, Maserati, something like that. You're not going to turn around and tell me, well, I really was thinking a pinto was right up there. I don't think so. (laughs) Okay. Um, Now, when we come to the area of faith and we say who is the best, everybody in here. I know you're going to say the Apostle Frederick K.C. Price and Dr. Betty. Okay. So in every category that I just mentioned, the one word that relates to each is excellence. Each person mentioned had to strive for excellence to achieve the goal of being the best. Excellence, if we define it, is the fact or state of excelling, superiority, eminence. Excelling, in case you weren't sure, means to surpass others or be superior in some respect or area. Most people would prefer to associate themselves with people or things of excellence. And this is why I think the Holy Spirit really wanted to get this across, to make us think about it. You see, sometimes it's the little things that if you stop and think about it, can make a big difference in your day-to-day life. I mean, let's face it, anybody in here, if you went to get on the basketball court, there is no way you're gonna tell me you wouldn't want to play even if it were just for a day, like Michael Jordan. I mean, that's got to be, like, just wonderful. I mean, anybody who goes, and I know for those who went with us on that little tennis trip that we had, (laughs) we had a good time. But let's face it, nobody was like the Williams sisters, and that would have just been wonderful if we could have done that, even if it was just for that little outing that we had. Well, I started thinking, and... Uh, when the Apostle and Dr. Betty were here, and I'm going to bring that up later because you can never talk about that too much, you look at them, and for me personally, I have looked at them for 36 years of my life, which is actually more than half of my life. And they never, ever stop to amaze me. And you know, I sit and I'm like, well Lord, I want to be like them when I grow up, but like, what do I need to do? How come they just operate in such excellence. Why can't I do that? You know, it's like, I want to do that too. So it started me asking that question. Then of course, when you start asking that question, he starts sharing how he thinks I should share it with all of you. Because that's the point. Why not excellence in every area of our life? Why do we just have it in some areas, and then in other areas it seems like we're you know, keep being challenged with the same thing, or why are we really having to deal with challenges? Well, all of that we're going to talk about in this, because I think it's good for us to just break it down so we have a better understanding. Would you agree? Okay, so with all that being said, we know that we want to associate ourselves with people of excellence. I mean, it's so obvious, like, even if you had to have a private lesson, say you really did want to go take up tennis, (laughs) because. That's something I'm thinking about, so I guess that's why it's on the forefront of this lesson. But anyway, say if you wanted to go take tennis, and I said, okay, you can have a private lesson for this this particular day, I'm gonna bless you with that lesson. Now you don't even have to know about tennis. Would you say you would rather have the lesson from Serena Williams or with Ludie Bell Gussie Mae Jenkins? Now don't get upset if you know somebody named Ludie Bell Gussie Mae. I took that from a character in *Pearly Victorious because I don't personally know any Ludy Belle, Cosimee Jenkins, and I didn't want y'all to get upset with me, okay? But even without knowing the sport, I think you'd agree it would be Serena Williams and not Ludy Bell, right? Okay, so if you think about it, and you even speak to a student at any level of, of education, it doesn't matter, if you speak to them and you ask them what do they feel about school, If it's a poor student or a student who's struggling, I could just about guarantee you they're not gonna tell you they love school. They are probably gonna tell you they hate it, they don't wanna go, you have to go through, I don't know what to get them to go out in the morning if they're still young, they don't wanna have anything to do with it. If it's a good student, they usually kinda like it a little bit. If it's a great student, Oh my goodness, they want to go to school year round. They'll even go for summer school if they have classes. They're the ones that get on your nerves that as soon as July comes, they want to go buy school supplies because they're so excited that school is coming. Okay, but what is the deal with that? It's because they're excelling in it. Excellence feels better than not being excellent. But excellence also requires some things. First of all, you need to be all in. Trust me. Any of the people that I mentioned to you, they are all in. They are not half-stepping, so to speak, in any of those areas that I mentioned. You see, excellence does cost you something. It's going to require, just to name a few, diligence, discipline, never giving up. And when it comes to the area of the things of God, you need to become a disciple of Christ which means you need to follow him and his teachings and everything else. And as believers in every area of our lives, we have available to us excellence. If we are not experiencing it, the great news, and this is great news, is that you can always begin again. You can always just tweak the things that need to be tweaked, make a few adjustments, and most importantly, You just need to be, we need to establish some things and remind you of some things, so we're gonna do that. Turn with me to John's Gospel, the first chapter. And we're gonna look at verses 12 through 13. Now any of you who know me, and I welcome those of you who are viewing us on Periscope, and I always just remind everyone because if you've never heard me before, I am the person who gives you, excuse me, more than one translation. But I don't do it because I just want to read a bunch of stuff and just have you sit and listen or flip through different scriptures. I do it because each scripture is going to offer more illumination for what it is that we are looking at. That is the reason I do it. The only reason that I do it. Now, I usually come to you with no more than about three, maybe sometimes four. However, I usually comb through 40 translations before I give you those three or four. So just bear with me and listen. If you have a smartphone, great, you can probably follow right along with me. If you don't and if you're on Periscope, just jot it down. You can find all of this information on your computer, whatever. But just kinda stick with me, okay? You think you can do that fair enough? All right, now I am gonna also take my time with this. My usual tendency is try to run through everything and get it done in 45 minutes, okay? But um, Minister Scott has been kind enough to let me know to take my time. And I'm gonna do that today. And I'm gonna do it because I think the subject matter warrants it. I really do believe you're gonna be blessed at the end of it. Okay, so with that being said, you should be at John's gospel, the first chapter, by now. Um, Let's, as a matter of fact, starting with verse 12, we're going to read it together. Ready, read. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, if you look at that same translation in the easy-to-read version, which is ERV in your smartphone, it says, but some people did accept him. They believed in him, and he gave them the right to become children of God. They became God's children, but not in the way babies are usually born. It was not because of any human desire or plan. They were born from God himself. <clears throat> this is a perfect example of why I read another translation. So in other words, those of us who are in the kingdom, we are born of God. Not because our parents, you know, had a wonderful night and got together and there we were. Okay, there was a reason for it. And this translation breaks it down so there's no way you cannot understand that. So lastly, we're going to look at it in the Amplified. In the Amplified, starting with verse 12 says but to as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave the right, the authority, the privilege to become children of God. That is, to those who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on his name, who were born not of blood, natural conception, nor of the will of the flesh, physical impulse, nor of the will of man, that of a natural father, but of God, That is a divine and supernatural birth. They are born of God, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified. So for those of us who are born again, that, number one, was available, and that's what happened. Turn with me though to Romans, the eighth chapter, and we're gonna look at verses 15 through 18. Let me know when you're there. Okay, starting with verse 15 out of the New King James Version. And any of these translations, you can still follow in whatever translation you have with you. I promise you, because the Holy Spirit, there's only one, you will know exactly what I'm sharing. Okay, so starting with verse 15, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. If we look at it in the Message Bible, it says this resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave tending life, it's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, What's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. And I want you to remember that. We're gonna come back to that. That's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. I have to read it to you out of this last one, and this will be the last one. Not trying to bore you, but I'm really trying to get you the point. This is the Amplified, and it says, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading again to fear of God's judgment. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, the spirit-producing sonship, by which we joyfully cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies and confirms together with our spirit, assuring us that we believers are children of God. And if we are his children, then we are his heirs also heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his spiritual blessing and inheritance, if indeed we share in his suffering so that we may also share in his glory. For I consider from the standpoint of faith that the sufferings of the present life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us. These verses of scripture make it clear that we are children of God. You'd agree with that, right? We are his heirs and fellow heirs with Christ. But verse 18, that's one of those verses that is often perceived differently by Christians. You know, the verse that talks about the sufferings of this present life or the sufferings of this present time. Sufferings, in other words. We, of course, want to always share in the glory and the good times with Christ, and don't want to even think about the sufferings. Let me be clear. All types of sufferings are not the same. That's a whole different subject matter and perhaps we're gonna explore that at a later date. But I merely want to offer you some encouragement. How many of you are currently walking through a challenging time or may have walked through one? Okay, that's all of us, all right. Remember, I mentioned earlier that excellence costs you something. In terms of our belief system, one of the things is discipleship or following Christ. In being his joint heir, there is absolutely nothing, no thing that we can walk through, no storm that we endure that can compare to what he suffered. On the cross for our sins. Much too often we concentrate on the circumstances of our storm. I submit to you that we should face them with confidence. Something that I learned from Minister Scott years ago that changed my life and the life of my entire family forever is that he shared, and he shared this actually with all of you guys too, so I'm just gonna bring it back to your remembrance. It's how we react to a challenge that is paramount. You see, we should never think or say that we are going through something, but rather that we are growing through it. And I submit to you that God allows us, notice I said allow, please make sure you're listening to me. He allows us to be presented with temptations, trials, and tests for our growth. He does not put the temptation, trials, and tests on us, but he allows it for our growth. Turn with me to James, and many of you know this, but there's some people who may not. So we're going to go over it. Look at James, the first chapter, and we're going to read verses 2 through 5. Now, if you're looking at James 1, let me know when you're there. Just say you've got it. Okay. I'll give you a minute because some people are still turning, which is good. But when you get to James 1, and we were taught this by the apostles, so I know you guys know this, but I'm just going to remind you again. If you look at the New King James Version, starting with verse 2, it says, my brethren, and there's a comma there, it should not be there. The comma should be after joy, and it makes a big difference. And it's really interesting to me, because I'm going to read you uh, some other translations, and they put the comma in the right place. But for some reason, in the New King James Version and in the traditional King James Version, it's in the wrong place. So... It should say, my brethren count it all joy, comma, when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, if we read the same verses out of the easy to read, it says, my brothers and sisters, you will have many kinds of trouble, but this gives you a reason to be very happy. Now, That's a big (laughs) difference from how many people feel. Okay, you know that when your faith is tested, you learn to be patient in suffering. If you let that patience work in you, the end result will be good. You will be mature and complete. You will be all that God wants you to be. Do any of you need wisdom? Ask God for it. He is generous and enjoys giving to everyone. So he will give you wisdom. If we read it out of the message, it says, consider it a sheer gift, friends when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any, any way. If you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help, you'll get his help and won't be condescended to when you ask for it. And last but not least, the amplified. Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough job so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom to guide him through a decision or circumstance, he is to ask of our benevolent God, who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to him. Moving forward... (laughs) One of the adjustments to operate in excellence with our joint heir, Jesus, is to stop giving so much attention to our circumstances. Remember what happened to Peter, and I know all of you probably know this story. Um, Many of you know the story that after Jesus had fed the multitudes with just, you know, two little fish and five loaves. Um, Turn with me, as a matter of fact, we're going to read it. Go to Matthew's Gospel, the 14th chapter, and we're going to look at verses 22 through 33. This is Matthew's Gospel, the 14th chapter. This is one of, well, I have so many favorite stories, but this is one of my favorite stories because it's helped me in a lot, a lot of different ways. So, starting with verse. 22 out of Matthew 14. I'm going to read it to you out of the message because this really makes it very clear. And it says, As soon as the meal was finished, the meal I just told you about with the multitudes and the. Okay. <laughs> so after the meal was finished, he insisted that the disciples get in the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the people. With the crowd dispersed, he climbed the mountain so he could be by himself and pray. He stayed there alone, late into the night. Meanwhile, the boat was far out to sea when the wind came up against them and they were battered by the waves. At about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. They were scared out of their wits. A ghost, they said, crying out in terror. But Jesus was quick to comfort them. Courage, it's me. Don't be afraid. Peter, suddenly bold, as Peter always tended to be, (laughs) said, Master, if it's really you, call to me to come to you on the water. He said, come ahead. Jumping out of the boat, Peter walked on the water to Jesus. This is the key. When he looked down at the waves churning beneath his feet, he lost his nerve and started to sink. He cried, Master, save me. Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached down and grabbed his hand. Then he said, thank heart. What got into you? The two of them climbed into the boat and the wind died down. The disciples in the boat, having watched the whole thing, worshiped Jesus saying, this is it. You are God's son for sure. Now, if we look at it in the Amplified, and this will be the last one that I read, it says, immediately... He directed the disciples to get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side of the Sea of Galilee while he sent the crowds away. After he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And see, to me, even though this isn't part of the lesson, there's something to be said about that. Notice Jesus went by himself to pray. So if you're never taking time by yourself to pray, you need to put a little check mark there because you need to do it. You by yourself. And I'm not saying that, you know, if you have a husband or family members, yes, it's wonderful to get into agreement and to pray with them, but you need to find some time by yourself where it's just you and the heavenly Father. So that's just a little sidebar. <laughs> but anyway, make sure you find time to pray by yourself because we're following Jesus and that's what he did. But the boat by this time was already a long distance from land, tossed and battered by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, which is between 3 and 6 a.m., Jesus came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately he spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter replied to him, Lord... If it is really you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the effects of the wind, he was frightened frightened, and he began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus extended his hand and caught him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him with awe-inspired reverence, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. It wasn't until Peter, and this is why the story means a lot to me, It wasn't until Peter started looking at his circumstances, the waves beneath his feet, the wind blowing around, that he began to sink. And the thing that's so critical to me in the story is notice it didn't say that Peter just sank or he just drowned or he just, he began to sink, which means it's a process. So when we are in the midst of something and we take our eyes off of the word of God, when we take our eyes off of his promises, when we take our eyes off of Jesus, just like Peter, we begin to mess up, fall apart, and we don't have excellence in that area of our life. And that we can change. We can learn from Peter's mistake. Don't do that. Don't Ever take your eyes off of Jesus because people, let me tell you something. I tell this to my children all the time. You can have somebody who you believe is your best friend in the whole universe. You just think they're the greatest thing in the world. They can still disappoint you. The only person who will not is Jesus because you want to know what? He is the only one who stretched his arms and died for you and you need to remember that. You need to remember that. So when you're sitting in the doctor's office. Office and he gives you an evil report. <laughs> he may even give you a prognosis of death. And see, we say that and it's like, oh, that sounds so dramatic. But you know what? When you've been there, it's not dramatic, but it is very real, okay? And I know. Okay, I'm not telling you some fairy tale. It is a very real thing. And you sit there at that moment and you're like, you know what, I don't want to (laughs) die. You know, I am not ready to die. I've got things I want to do. Okay, so when that happens, how do you react? Talking about your authentic reaction. Always know when I stand before you, it is with authenticity. I don't have time to play any kind of games. So I want you to be authentic even with your thoughts. How do you react? How would you react? <laughs> do you begin to sink? Why not excellence? What happens when you have a mountain of bills in the natural and you have no idea? how you're going to pay for them. You really have no clue. How excellent do you feel then? Let's look at 1 John, the fourth chapter. And many of you know this one too. 1 John 4, 4. Let me know when you're there. Okay, it says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And the Amplified, which I really like, says, Little children, believers, dear ones, you are of God and you belong to him and have already overcome them, the agents of the Antichrist. Because he who is in you is greater than he, Satan, who is in the world of sinful mankind. Now turn to Colossians, the second chapter. And we're going to look at verses 8 through 10. Colossians, the second chapter. And we're going to look at verses 8 through 10. Let me know when you're there. Okay, don't y'all go to sleep on me now. Run, do something so I know that you're there because I want you to see it for yourself. Okay, praise the Lord because I don't want you to see. I don't... You need to see the word before your eyes for you. Don't just take my word for it, because it's not about me. So that's why I want you to see it. Okay, so starting with verse 8 in Colossians 2, it says, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead boldly, and you are complete and him who is the head of all principality and power. Now if we look at it in the Amplified it says see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, pseudo-intellectual babble, according to the tradition and musings of mere men following the elementary principles of this world rather than following the truth the teachings of Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity, the Godhead, dwells in bodily form, completely expressing the divine essence of God. And in him you have been made complete, achieving spiritual stature through Christ. And he is the head over all, no, and he, sorry, and he is the head over all rule and authority of every angelic and earthly power. And lastly, the message, which you can't not understand this. Watch out for people who try to dazzle you with big words and intellectual double talk. (laughs) They want to drag you off into endless arguments that never amount to anything. They spread their ideas through the empty traditions of human beings and the empty superstitions of spirit beings. But that's not the way of Christ. Everything of God gets expressed in him so you can see and hear him clearly. You don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. When you come to him, that fullness comes together for you too. His power extends over everything. Family, the power of the entire Godhead is within you. You have all that you need to be excellent always, all the time, in every area of your life. I submit to you that you have to decide how you want to live your life and how you want everything around you to be. Good, better, best. You spent time choosing your outfit today. I mean, I'm sure you didn't just like roll out of bed and it flew on, you know. You figured out what you wanted to put on today. And I am assuming that you tried to look your best, okay? Well, what about your spiritual clothing? You represent Jesus. Why not excellence? Let's look at 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, and we're going to look at verses 20 through 21. 2 Corinthians 5. And you have it? Okay, great. Starting with the 20th verse out of the New King James Version, it says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, if we look at it in the Amplified, it says, so we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making his appeal through us. We, as Christ's representatives, plead with you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. He made Christ, who knew no sin to judicious, judicious oh, can't even, judicially, thank you, judicially be sin on our behalf so that in him, we would become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to him and placed in a right relationship with him by his gracious loving kindness. Now, since we represent Christ, we need to take care of some things. We cannot, as a representative of Christ, walk around with bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, Worry, which believe it or not, worry is sinful, because if you are worrying, that is slapping God in the face telling him, I don't trust you. So when you have the mountain of bills that you don't know how you are going to pay, okay, it is something that you see, but don't let it concern you. Even though it's, it, you know, don't let it be something that keeps you up where you think about it in any other way other than, Father, I know that you got this. Okay? That's how you have to look at the thing. That's how you have to react to the thing, that's excellence. When you sit up and you worry about it, you're telling God you don't trust him, you don't think he can handle it, okay? When you go to the doctor and he tells you how, okay, I'll give you an example. My father, at one point, um, you know, he had some different physical challenges and he was dealing with Alzheimer's and they called me up and said, get all of his affairs in order and they gave him 10 days at the max. They really wanted me to get all of his affairs in order in less than a week. And you know, that's hard to hear. I mean, that was my daddy. You know, I didn't want to hear that. But you know what? I said, okay, that's what you said. But that's not what God said. So I went and I asked my father. I said, okay, daddy, here's the deal. Are you ready to go be with the Lord, or do you want to fight? He said, no. I said he wanted to fight. I said, got you. He lived seven and a half years, okay? So the 10 days, no. He lived seven and a half years. And when he did leave, It was his choice, his decision, because I asked him again, and he said, no, I'm tired, I'm ready to go. I said, okay, that's fine. It was his choice. All I'm trying to say to you is, it is how you react to something, it is how you see something, and if you are sitting about worrying about it, you're not trusting God, and if you're not trusting God, I don't even know why you're here, and I don't mean to be funny, but if that's our belief system, if we cannot trust in him, what is the point? I mean, really? something to think about, though. You have to ask yourself, really, where are you? Being authentic, you've got to know. So none of these things that I just mentioned, the bitterness, the worry, the unforgiveness, none of that reflects any kind of excellence. Mistreating others. Talking about people. No one has to tell you, I don't have to tell you, that's not excellent. Now, I want you to do me a favor. Point a finger at me. Literally, go ahead. Point a finger at me. Now, I want you to look at your hand. No, keep it up there. Point the finger at me. Keep it up there. Now, if you, now point like this. Y'all are pointing weird. <laughs> okay? Point like this. See, like this? Okay. Wow. I didn't say gesture to me. Point, okay? Now, okay. I think I was going to have to have a class in pointing. Okay. Now, when you, <laughs> When you point your finger at me, I want you to see there are three more that are pointing right back to you. Mm. You can put your hands down now. So, So if you see something that you think should be different, especially in our local congregation here, instead of talking negative about people and pointing fingers, okay, and complaining and all the wonderful things that sometimes, you know, you can end up doing why not get involved and add your excellence to the thing? Become an instrument to produce the change that you want to see. We all have been given gifts and talents that can be used to strengthen and build the kingdom. We just have to get involved. An involved student and or parent of that student, when they get involved in the school, it creates a better academic environment for that student. If any involved member of the congregation helps, it creates a force that needs to be reckoned with. Think about it. We are representatives of the kingdom of the Most High God, and we need to think about that and get involved. You know, we're a family. This is not a one-person deal. Basically, Striving for, living in, and achieving excellence is really your choice. Now, you may prefer mediocrity. Some people do. However, I don't think so. That's why you're here. You could have just stayed in bed with the covers up. It's a little chilly, but you chose to come out because you wanted to hear the word. So therefore, I don't think you're a mediocre group. I believe that you want God's best. Having God's best in Every area of your life is excellent and merely just requires a decision. Let me show you something. Turn with me to John's Gospel, the third chapter. And we're going to read verse 16 through 18. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplify. And many of you already know John three sixteen. I know you know that because you're here. But, but I want to read 16 through 18. Out of the Amplified and it says, for God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten Son, so that whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge and condemn the world, that is, to initiate the final judgment of the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes and has decided to trust in him, underline, underscore in your mind or in your Bible, the word decided. Whoever believes and has decided to trust in him as personal Savior and Lord is not judged for their is one. For this one, there is no judgment, no rejection, no condemnation, but the one who does not believe and has decided to reject him as personal Lord and Savior is judged already. That one has been convicted and sentenced because he has not believed and trusted in the name of the one and only begotten Son of God, the one who is truly unique, the only one of his kind, the one who alone can save him. Verse 18, the reason why I said underline the word decide shows that as a believer, you decided to trust Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. It was a clear, distinct decision. So why not excellence as your decision for life? You can make that decision. Just like everybody else that I mentioned earlier, you know, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Steph Curry, the Williams sisters, Apostle uh, Price, Dr. Betty, they all had to decide and continue to make quality decisions to reach excellence in their lives. You can read any of their bios, and it proves that they did. Steph Curry is out on the court way before the game starts, practicing that three-point shot. The Williams sisters practice harder than most anyone, male or female, in the Tennis Association to achieve their high level of excellence. Of course, you are always to follow Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That should be our goal of excellence always. We are blessed to have a contemporary example of someone who exudes excellence in our founder, Apostle Frederick Casey Price. His last visit blessed me beyond his phenomenal teaching. There is a reason that he is called the godfather of faith. He was attacked physically, big time, really serious attack. How did he respond? With faith. His faith? standing firmly on the Word of God. How did he do it? With excellence. Was he victorious? Yes! He stood before us at 84 years young and taught the Word. How? With excellence. I certainly would not mind and I strive to be like the apostle when I grow up. (laughs) It blessed me so when he was here because it truly, truly, truly reminded me never, ever, ever give up on the living word of the Most High God. I don't give a care what you may be facing or what you are growing through. The God that we serve is always faithful. We just need to believe, be obedient, and decide to operate in excellence. And I know that some of you are already asking, this sounds complicated. What do I have to do to achieve this? And I'm going to have to tell you next time because I just ran out of time.
0: Thanks for listening. Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323.